unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. And please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? It is Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, your place for the Raw and Unscripted Show with yours truly, Christopher Roush, your no excuses coach. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if you're new to the show, you are at your place where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Let's get going. Let's start living an unstoppable, amazing, no excuses life. What do you say about that? Um, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are celebrating show number 214. Oh my God. You know, I've been doing the show since January of 2019, right after I did my first back surgery or my only back surgery actually. And uh, we're going 214 shows strong. It's pretty amazing. It's incredible. We've had some amazing guests here on the show. So if you're at all interested in going back and checking out those particular episodes, all you got to do is just go to this www.christopher roush.com forward slash podcast dash shows you will see all of the shows 213 of them in their amazing glory plus you can some try that one more time plus you can subscribe tripping over my words today plus you can subscribe to the podcast via itunes spotify iheart anywhere you can possibly get podcast that's where the raw and scripted show is and so we're excited for that so whether you're watching us live on the video cast or listening to us on the audio podcast thank you thank you thank you for being here whether you're watching us live or on the replay thank you thank you for being here i know it's interesting. I've been talking to a lot of my podcast friends and a lot of my video cast friends, a lot of my clubhouse friends. And they were saying, man, I've been seeing a lot less people showing up for my shows. I've been seeing a lot pe less people showing up for my rooms. I've seen a lot less people on social media. And I'm like, guess what? Fuck it. People are living their lives. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not stuck in front of a computer anymore. Let's get back outside and associate with one another. Let's develop our interpersonal communication skills and get out there and be a part of the things that we bitch about. And let's be a part of the solution. So I'm excited about it. I go outside all the time. I'm around people everywhere. I go and I see amazing beauty. I see amazing resiliency and I see a world that is full of love. I don't see a world full of hate. A lot of people in my friends have been talking about the news and there's all oh, this is happening. This is happening. This is happening. This negativity, this negativity. What do you think about this? And blah, blah, blah. This is Santa's and Trump, blah, 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 vaccines. Blah, blah. I'm like, guess what? I'm a happy motherfucker because I don't watch the news. I actually live my life every single day. And not only do I live my life every single day, I have an intention that I set when I first wake up in the morning that I'm going to use my words and my actions to make this world a better place for who I am and what I do. So everything I do in my posts, my walk and talks, my podcast, my whatever's all intentional that fulfill my legacy that says when Christopher Roush is done, he will have fought for what's right and what's fair. He will have risked for which that mattered. And he will have left the earth a better place for who he was and what he did. And I do that because of you guys. I do that because we are a community. we got Coach Karen Gray in the house. What's up, Karen? Great to see you. She goes, hey, Coach Chris, thank you for being here. We've got Valerie Smith in the house. She goes, hi, Christopher. Hello, Valerie. Thank you both for joining me. We're going to be getting started with the show here in just a few moments. But the other thing I want to talk about tonight is this. My life story. It's just you and me, kid. A true story of a mother and son survival on the streets of California. This is going to be out this uh, this uh, September, October. It was supposed to be out in May, but uh, due to the fact that I'm a perfectionist and I keep writing instead of editing, uh, it's going to be coming out this fall. But if you go to it's just you and me kid.com, it's just you and me kid.com. If you go there, it's just you and me kid.com. You can actually sign up and be on the priority presale list for the book and you can help me make it a number one bestseller, which I know it will be. I'm already in talks with a couple of people about potentially making it a movie. So I'm excited about that. I know that my story is not for just me to experience, but for you guys to experience and it's full color, colorful glory 
So it's just you and me, kid. Go there, sign up. You get a bunch of bonuses for helping make a number one bestseller. And uh, you too will have an opportunity to live vicariously my life through these written words. And I guarantee you, you will come out of the other side of this book, a different person. It is not a self-help book. It's a journey of somebody going through a lot of adversarial situations, let's just say, and coming out the other side to live this kick-ass life, to have this energy and have this positivity and have this enthusiasm about every single day that we get when so many people are out there waiting and worrying and playing the someday game that they're going to actually live their lives. And my guest tonight is out there living his best life. He has been around the block a few times. We and I, he and I run in different circles, but we've all, I've known each other uh, here and there, but this is going to be the first time we're actually speaking together that I know of. But uh, he, let me just, 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 just want to, just want to read this out for you guys just for a sec. You guys know I don't usually read bios, but it says here, Clint Arthur is a Wharton Business School graduate who has shared the stage with Martha, Martha Stewart, Dr. Oz, Sue, Dr. Oz, uh, we will talk about that, Suzanne Summers, Caitlin Jenner, Ice-T, and five presidents of the United States at Harvard, Cambridge, Oxford, London, Stock Exchange, NASDAQ, Mercedes, Porsche, Coca-Cola, and there's so many other words in here. Um, he lives in New York City, Los Angeles, and Acapulco with his wife, Allie, and Nova, their billion peso puppy. Um, Wisdom of Men is his 21st bestseller and it was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Clint Arthur. What's going on, Clint? Welcome to the Raw Descriptive Show, brother. Hey, man. Thanks for reading that bio. I appreciate it. I worked hard to create that bio. Really? Yes, you did. I was like, God damn, he's got everybody written up. He's got everybody in here. He's got R.L. Swart. No, I'm just kidding. No, that's an impressive list of people that you have worked with, my friend. So I know we're going to have a riveting conversation. So we encourage you guys out there in viewer land and listener land, always, always take notes, take notes, come away from this conversation with three actionable items. And you yeah. put those things into action. Just don't get inspired or motivated. And you will actually uh, see changes in your life. We got Eric in the house. He says, blues, news, no need for it. If it blends, it leads, but it if won't it bleeds, lead. It leads. Baby. Yes. So Clint, talk to me about success. What has your journey been to become the man that is talking in front of me today? I started out going on a lot of TV stations, got on going on a lot of TV news, right? And I actually saw a bumper sticker on a filing cabinet in a newsroom in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And it said, if it bleeds, it leads. It actually said that. Yep. So uh, look, I went to the Wharton Business School. I'm a graduate of the Wharton Business School, and I came home to get the congratulations from my parents because I thought I deserved it, which I did. And what happened? They get into the hugest argument of all time. And my dad storms out of the house, slams the door behind him. I turn to my mom. I go, you know, mom, the way he resents you all these years, have you been cheating on dad? And I'm thinking, <laughs> holy cow, where did that question come from? I never even thought that question before in my life. And then I'm thinking, wow. You it out how did I become such a rude person to ask my mom a question like that? That's the rudest thing I ever said to anyone. And then I'm thinking, how come she ain't answering the question? And then she goes, he's not your real father. Your real father was a doctor at the fertility clinic we went to for six years trying to have you and you look just like that guy. And I'm like, say what? You fucking kidding me? Oh my God, no way. Are you serious? This is true? This is how she told you? That's exactly what happened. Wow. And the next day, I get on the phone and I call up the investment bank on the 87th floor of number one World Trade Center. I get the vice president on the phone. Sir, I really do appreciate the offer, but I've decided I don't want to be an investment banker anymore. And what did I do? Naturally, I ran out to Hollywood. Most people go to Hollywood to lose themselves. I went there to find myself. I started writing screenplays, going on auditions, and pretty soon I found myself becoming a very important and special person. I became the Wharton Business School taxi driver. That's right. And where were you? Taxi, what year was this? What year was this, Clint? 
Uh, this was 1995 through okay. 2001. So what were you doing on December 31st, 1999? Were you getting some Y2K cash out of an ATM? <laughs> I was driving yellow cab in Las Vegas. And in the backseat of the cab were these two guys who were MBA interns at Goldman Sachs. I'm listening to their conversation while I'm driving them to the Hollywood Hills party. And they're like, hey, man, did you hear about Mr. Carrera? They made him the last partner right before the Goldman IPO. And he cashed out a gazillion dollars. And I'm like, are you talking about Chris Carrera? And they're like, how do you know Mr. Carrera? Chris Carrera was a pledge in my fraternity at the Wharton Business School. And when I was the pledge master, I used to make those little punks dance around the living room of the house with their tidy whities on top of their heads. And now <laughs> this little kid just ca cashed out a gazillion dollars. And I'm like driving back to my little boat in Marina Del Rey. And I'm thinking, Chris Carrera, where was Chris Carrera tonight? I climb into my bunk in the V berth of the boat and I pull out my cash out of my sock. And I'm like, $513 and Chris Carrera is probably partying at the Rainbow Room. I was supposed <laughs> to be special. And that was the night I said, I can't keep doing this anymore. 13 years is enough chasing a dream that's never going to happen and i'm never so what was the ultimate dream what was what was the ultimate i just want to make sure so you wanted to become a screenwriter you wanted to get into the movie Dude, i wanted to be the jewish spike lee okay because okay. that's gotcha. summing up for you i wanted to be a writer director producer star all of that and I, and why couldn't i do it i mean if he, why was he better than me i was in eighth grade with robert downey jr i was in i was in eighth grade with um john uh john what was that guy's name no he went he was in two and a half men with, with oh yeah uh, john um jonathan jonathan the, the guy that uh john crier john crier i yep. was why john crier why why robert downey jr why not me i don't know so but it, i couldn't make it happen so i gave up on everything that night i said i'm never gonna write again that was the second time I actually quit writing. I just want to have a normal life. Right. And I got out of driving taxis, got into selling gourmet food. And then I met a beautiful woman and we uh, got fat and happy together, building houses and making money throughout the 2000s. And then it was 2008. So you went from a taxi cab driver to a home builder? I went from a taxi cab driver to selling gourmet food. I, I want to get to that bridge. I want to figure out how we yeah. jumped there. I, I was selling gourmet food. Okay. Okay. And I, you know, once you start focusing on making money, then funny thing happens. You make money. People used to ask me, Hey, how are you doing? You making any money? And I would say, I don't even care about making money. I just want to have a career. I just want to work, you know, yeah. which is how most people in Hollywood are. And I wrote a chapter about this in my book, Wisdom of the Men. One day I was at the Wynn Las Vegas, hanging out with one of my clients who was a good friend of mine. His name was Philippe. He was the executive chef of the Bo the Danielle Boulou Brasserie at the Wynn. And it's 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning, and he's stirring a vat of lobster bisque with a big stirrer. And I'm like, dude, you're the executive chef of this multi-million dollar restaurant. Why, do you, why don't you have one of your sous chefs do this for you? You got 20 sous chefs. He goes, because I love it. This is my métier. Now, the next day is, what, is the work you would do for free. And that's my problem. I'm a writer. See, I'm a writer. And for 13 years, I wrote for free. I wrote 30 speculative screenplays. You ever hear wow. such a thing before? 30. Speculative screenplay? No. Feature films. Spec. On spec. 30 of them. 
And I didn't care about making money. I just wanted to do the work. And just as that moment, just at that moment when he goes, this is my métier, who walks into the kitchen? George H.W. Bush. Just walking through the kitchen on a Sunday with two Secret Service guys. This is in 2007, 2008. I saw you a picture. You you had a picture with him. Yeah. And I go, holy shit, that was the president of the United States. And Philippe goes, really? He had no idea. So I go running after George H.W. Bush into the dining room of the restaurant. There's nobody wow. there. It's just him and the Secret Service. You don't Service. work there. You're just there with, as a friend, right? I, I'm I'm a vendor. So like I walk around these hotels like more than an employee. I do shit that nobody can do because I don't care. What are you going to do to me? You know, right. I, I'm not your employee and I'm not a guest. I'm a vendor. I have a right to be anywhere I want. Basically, that's my attitude. So in any case, I go over to the Secret Service guy. I go, um, could I get a picture with the president? Now, how come I could take a picture with the president in 2007, 2008? There were no iPhones. Cell phones didn't have cameras yet. I'll tell you why. Because I had taken this seminar called Megabook Marketing with Mark Victor Hansen. And in this seminar, the one thing I took away was you should always carry around a little instant camera in your pocket just in case you meet anybody famous or special <laughs> and you want to get a picture with them. And I happen to have a Sony digital camera in my pocket because I took that seminar. See? Wow. And so he goes, yeah, you can get a picture with the president. So I give him the camera. And I go up to George H.W. Bush. I said, sir, I voted for you. He's like, oh, thank you, young man. No, that wasn't exactly true. I voted for Ronald Reagan and him. I never voted for him. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So uh, I go. So we Blurred take, lines. Right. So we take the selfie. And then I said to him, and by the way, here's me and George H.W. Bush. Yeah, I saw that picture on your website. All right. Yeah. And then I go, sir, what's the most important thing you ever learned? And he goes, well, young man, that's a very big question. But I have to say. You have to keep doing the things you love in this life. Now, if you look closely at the photo, he's wearing a necktie with little parachute jumpers on the necktie. George H.W. Bush loved parachuting out of planes. He did it on his 80th birthday. I think he was on the cover of Time magazine doing it yep. because that's what he loved. And if, if there's anything you could take away from this interview, this is the first takeaway from this interview is that if you're not doing what you love in this life, then you are missing the point. Now, I live in Acapulco. It says I live when in When did you York. learn that lesson, though? I mean, you, you've had a lot of different successes throughout your life, written a lot of best-selling books. When did you come to that decision to see it that way? Because most oftentimes we're brought up to go things from, from an egoic standpoint. How, many, how can I get more money? How can I get more fame? How can I get more likes? How can I get all those things? What got you to the point to realize that, that, that doing what you're truly happy in is the true success, a true measure of success, I guess? I think it came during the pandemic, actually, honestly, really, nice. because- you know, for the 10 years prior to the pandemic, I was a speaker on the circuit. I was going to 30, 40 conferences a year, speaking every week. And, uh, you know, I was making a little bit more money than I'm making right now. But today I get to swim in tropical waters every single day because I live in Acapulco and I just go down to the, my beach club and we have a saltwater pool that's fed by the ocean. And I, you know, even on the roughest days, I could swim in that pool. Like today was, it was really rough today, but I was swimming in the ocean today. I get to swim in the ocean every day. I'm in Acapulco because nice. that's what I love to do. I also love to write. I love to write books and I do that a lot. 
And luckily, see, here's the lesson. Here's the second lesson. Here's the second lesson. This goes back to, this is my métier. I love it, right? I love writing, but I chased the Hollywood dream for 13 years and wrote 30 spec screenplays and didn't make any money and like ru practically ruined my life because I didn't know how to make money as a writer because it's very hard to make money as a writer. Most people do not make money from writing. But what I have learned is how to make money off the back of the book, how to make money, how to make money because I'm an expert as demonstrated by my book. I'm the best-selling author of 21 best-selling books, including celebrity entrepreneurship. And what I have invented is a marketing system that I call celebrity entrepreneurship. This is the same thing Tony Robbins does. It's the same thing Grant Cardone does. Do you think those guys are famous? A little bit. A little bit, right? Those infamous, guys are nobody. Infamous also. Infamous also. Those, Do you know I turned down Grant Cardone wanted to be on the show and I turned him down? I took Grant Cardone on my show. When I had a radio show in New York City. I was living in New York City the last five years before I moved to Acapulco in, in 2020. So from, 19, from 2015 to 2020, I was living in New York City. I had a radio show on 77 WABC Radio in New York City for three years. And I had Grant Cardone on my show. And I said, Grant, what's the most important thing you ever learned? He said, hey, man, your number one problem as an entrepreneur is that nobody knows who you are. And I said, is there anything you would have done different in your life? And he said, yeah, I would have spent more money on marketing me sooner. Those are very important lessons. There's, a lot, there's been a lot of takeaways here. And yeah. just to wrap this up, like if you're a writer, unfortunately for you, you're a writer or whatever you are. You know, it's currently on painter, strike now. Uh, movie writers are on strike. Or you're a doctor. Let's say you're a doctor and you love healing. Healing people is your metier. Well, that's good, but that doesn't mean you're going to make a lot of money. Even as a doctor, even as an MD, you need to know how to make money on the back of what you do. And a lot of times it's, it's not what you do. In fact, I believe that the marketing of what you do is 100 times more important than what you actually do or sell to your clients or customers. And the marketing of you is 100 times more important than that. Notice Grant Cardone didn't say, I wish I would have spent more money on marketing what I do sooner. He said, I would have spent more money on marketing me sooner. So right. that's a hundred. What you're talking about, Clint, hang on a second. What you're talking about is personal branding. And that's actually what I titled the show is personal yeah. branding strategies. A lot of people, when I talk to them about like, what's your personal brand when they're in a corporate space, right? I, I work with entrepreneurs and I also work with people who are very successful in corporate. Yeah. And in the corporate space, we start talking about identities and we tar start talking about who am I? Um, talk to us about, and some of the people in corporate say, well, I don't need a personal brand. I'm not in marketing. I'm, I don't have my own company, but everybody does so need a personal brand, stupid. especially especially nowadays. Talk to us about why people in corporate America should be, should be focused on and creating a personal brand for themselves. You know, the people in corporate America and at the risk of insulting some people and, I, you know, and I don't really care, you know, if you're working in corporate America, that's probably not so smart because they don't care about you. They're just exploiting you. And, and I read the statistic, like if you can't make at least 10 times the cost of an employee from their labor, then you shouldn't even have that employee. So your boss is paying you one tenth what you're quote unquote worth at the very most, right? So, you know, these people who take the jobs because they want the security, that's not such a smart idea. But what I'm looking for is this 
you know, this, e this text message that one of my clients sent to me one time, he's, he's a corporate finance guy. And what he said was, Hey man, thanks. Thank you for all of the stuff we've been doing together because it is helping me to stand out in the eyes of my bosses. And they think that I'm a real power player now because of the stuff that I invested in doing with you. He came and he spoke at NASDAQ. He came and he spoke at at the Harvard Club of Boston. He went on TV news and talk shows. You know, he invested in his personal brand. And when you're an employee in a big corporation, your competition is the other employees in the corporation and everybody else who's trying to get a job in your company. Mm -hmm. They're your competition too. And you are competing for promotions, for raises. And, it, and if you, it is what I say to every corporate person, do you really think that promotions and raises are based on merit? Is that what you really think? Because if that's what you really think, you could probably buy this bridge that I know of in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. I, I can see you're passionate about this. You're not, you don't think that anybody in a corporate space should be doing that? I or think everybody in the corporate space should be working on their personal brand and investing in who they are because that's the only way you're going to get ahead. You think Steve Jobs... Uh, you know, was the smartest or the best. I mean, he didn't invent any of this stuff. He was just good at marketing. That was yeah. really what he was great at marketing, putting together products that were marketable and then knowing how to sell them and think about what Apple computer would have been without Steve jobs. We saw what it was when John yeah. Scully was in charge of Apple computer and they didn't have Steve. It was going down, down, down. They had to bring back Steve. And as soon as they had Steve again, they went back up. And this is what I say to like, like I was just at a conference in Nashville and it was funny. I asked all my friends, hey, did you meet the, um, the people from Oklahoma, from the mental health agency in Oklahoma? Nobody else met them, but I met the CEO, the CFO, the chief marketing officer, and eight other of the 26 people that were there from this company. I met all of those people. Wow, my friends 26 were there, people. Didn't meet any of them, right? So I, I, you know, I said to this CEO of this healthcare, of this mental health agency, I said, look, all I understand your biggest problem is that you cannot attract the talent to handle more cases. You're maxed out on cases. Your profits are limited because you can't get enough employees because you're in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma, not in a big city, very rural, and you can't attract talent to you. So what I'm saying is keep doing all the marketing that you're doing, but let's turn you into a little mini Steve Jobs and see if people, because one of the lessons at this conference I was at, they said, people don't quit companies. They quit leaders. Yes. Okay, true, so true. if that's true, then the inverse is true. People don't go to work for companies. They go to work for leaders. And right now they have a leader who's basically invisible, a nobody. What would happen if we turn that nobody into a somebody by using celebrity entrepreneurship? Then people would be excited to go to work for this little company in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma. And right. part of my strategy is to get her to be a regular contributing guest on the Oklahoma City Fox affiliate, go on there once a month as a regular recurring guest on mental health. And it would be amazing how much more talent would be interested in going an hour and a half outside of Oklahoma City to go sure. work with this little company. And, you know, it amazes me that more corporate people think like 
I don't know what the hell they think. What are they doing? <laughs> Well, I think I think a lot of what you're talking about is 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 what, what I've been talking to people about lately is that so many people are just overwhelmed. They're inundated with just surviving everyday life that they're so overwhelmed with the news and and everything else that's going on in the economy. How do we get people to to get out of that state of worry and to get positive about you know having some sort of side hustle to be able to break free from that corporate chain? It's a great question, and I you know I listen to conspiracy theory podcasts like every night to help go to sleep. Oh my God. So, so <laughs> I, like I'm yeah. not immune from the news and yet I don't have any stress. Ooh. Okay. Cause I ain't working for the man I'm doing. I'm an entrepreneur. I rule my own world. I have my own destiny. My wife and I, we've chosen to live primarily in Acapulco, Mexico, because we have a life here that most people would envy. And we love, that's more important. We love this lifestyle that we have and our health, and our sanity and all but getting, that. We're, we're trying to get the people that are stuck who are overwhelmed into that space. What do we do? Well, look, if you are not healthy and sane, then there's really no point to continuing. So I'm not telling you to put a gun in your mouth. I'm telling you focus on your health and sanity and you got to do whatever you need to do to do that. How are you going to do that? I mean, exercise is probably a good way walking. Like I look, when I was fat and happy chasing money before I restarted my career as a writer, right? Throughout the 2000s, I became too fat and happy because unfortunately I'm a writer. That's what I love. You got to, you got to do what you love. Remember what do you I still, do? You still write? Do you still write? Yeah. My 21st best-selling book was well, not screenplays and stuff like that. I don't write screenplays. I write books. I just wrote a novel over Christmas and New Year's. I'm excited that I'm starting my new career as a novelist and I haven't published it yet, but I'm excited to start trying to figure out how do you make it as a novelist? Because ultimately I have figured out that when you're writing a book, if it's a nonfiction book, it still has to be all stories. It can't be information. No one's interested in information. They're only sure. interested in stories. And it took me more than 50 years on this planet to figure that out. And, and it took me like 19 books before I figured out, even if you're writing nonfiction, it should all be story. So uh, I'm, I'm doing story writing. And ultimately, I want to be known as America's Greatest Storyteller. So I bought americasgreateststoryteller.com. And this summer, August, two, three, four, five, six. I will be debuting the stage adaptation of my memoir, Wisdom of the Men, at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I'm doing a one-man show. It'll be 59 minutes that will change your life, featuring the wisdom of 18 international superstars, five presidents of the United States, and one regular guy. That would be me. And I'm excited to do that and bring that to the stage. But you know, on the posters and on the flyers, it's going to say, America's greatest storyteller.com presents wisdom of the men. See what I mean? Yeah, and but we, we got we got to also got to also oops. We got uh Valerie in the house. What's up Valerie? Thank you so much for being here. Uh Exactly, Valerie. Patricia says uh, be first in your category. Oh, Gadget is here. Hey, I love Pat. it. Yeah, Patricia, yeah, my sister from another mister. Uh Sandy Archer's here, my sister from another mister, Serena Buffalino, my other sister, Margaret. We got the whole house in here talking today. But what I want to really focus on, Clint, because I got you for about another 15 minutes or so, 
is, you know, personal strategies and, and, and what we can do to help the people that are watching and listening to this. One of the things I wanted to ask you is, and I think you kind of told me about this, talk to us about one of the struggles that you went through in life and how it helped reshape some of your perspectives about failure and mistakes. Cause so many people get hung up on failures and mistakes that they hold themselves back because they don't want to make anymore. Talk to us about something that went through in your life and how you changed your perspective perspective about that. Well, for example, when my parents remodeled our kitchen in our apartment in New York City on the 23rd floor, right? Uh, on the 18th floor on 23rd Street. I remember one time a tile broke in the middle of the kitchen. I guess my mom dropped a pan and broke the tile, whatever. And my dad goes, no matter what we do, it just doesn't work out. And you know what? I've, I've built a lot of houses and I've done a lot of remodeling. And I'll tell you what, nothing is done correctly the first time. Having built five houses, having remodeled multiple houses. It's like if you get it done by the third time correctly, then you're really doing good. Most stuff in life does not work the first time you do it. And, you know, a lot of people come to my celebrity launch pad the first time and they'll go on two or three or four or five. I guarantee they'll be invited on at least three appearances. But for whatever reason, they only go on two or three or whatever. And then they wonder why they're not a big celebrity. Like this guy, Rafi Andonian. You know Rafi Andonian? He's no, a celebrity historian. And Rafi Andonian came to Celebrity Launchpad. He did four appearances or seven appearances the first after the first Celebrity Launchpad. And a year went by. And I said, hey, Rafi, why don't you come back a second time? And he came back a second time. And something clicked. And he shot up to like, 40 appearances and now he came back a third time and he's at 75 appearances, and he's getting rebooked over and over and over and he discovered celebrityhistorian.com like it like it clicked for him that he wasn't just a historian he said to me one at my house here in acapulco hey clem what do you think of celebrity historian and i'm like i love celebrity historian and i know a lot of people think they see rafi andonian if you're on Facebook and you're following or friends with Rafi Andonian, you're seeing him on TV every week, several times a week. And of course you're saying, well, of course Rafi could do it. He's a celebrity historian. That's ridiculous. Okay. There's no less sexy category than being a historian for, for going on TV. You know, doctors, MDs, they get on TV easy. Fitness instructors, you get on TV easy. You know, people like that, financial advisors who can help you to save money. You get on TV easy. Historians, how do historians get on TV? Rafi Andonian has come to Celebrity Launchpad three times because after the first time, he didn't quite get it. And then after the second time, he got it. And then after the third time, then he really got it. And that's that's life, man. If you, you got to suck if you ever want to be great. You don't have to be great to start, but you got to start if you're ever going to be great and you will probably suck first before you're great. And that's just part of life. Hmm. Thank you for that. And, and it's so true because I tell people all the time to go take imperfect action. I ask people, do you learn from your mistakes? Yes or no. And most people say, yeah. And I might like, go make more. And they're like, what yeah. do you mean? They're like, you're not used to hearing that kind of stuff. And so we really do have to change our perspective. I'm like, if you learn from your mistakes, then they're not really mistakes. They're learning opportunities, right? And when they're learning opportunities, you could shift, you could shift your perspective and say, Hey, listen, if I make more learning opportunities, I'm going to get more successful in life. You're a living example of it. You're somebody who is continually sitting there looking, okay, I'm going to pivot here. I'm going to pivot here. I'm going to go this and I'm going to do this. So you're, 
the one that's willing to take that imperfect action. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your book because a lot of people out there, I believe, should write their story. I know for me, I've been writing my story since October of 2020. Uh, Patricia, actually, who's here, Patty, um, suggested to me in a conversation, she goes, no, don't write those other books that you're already writing. I want you to write your life story. And I'm like, no, I don't want to write that. I don't want to pay attention to my life story because it's a fucking shit show. Well, it was. Um, talk to us about the book writing process. What should people, if they've never written a book before, what should they do when they're considering writing something about their life or a personal development? Let's say, let's say a nonfiction book. Okay. So the first thing is like, I told you, I quit writing for the second time in 2000 because nobody would read and getting people to read your book is a real problem because nobody reads. Nobody wants to buy your book, let alone read it. Even if they buy it, they probably are not going to read it. So I sought out a mentor, okay? In 2008, I went back to the men. I went back to the men's team and I was at a men's self-help campfire and the shaman on the other side of the yellow and orange crackling flames points at me and he goes, you don't know it yet, but you're already dead. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, man? I'm the most successful guy on this team. Eight years ago, I was a cab driver. Now I'm a millionaire. I'm, I was living on a little boat and I live in a mansion. You're already dead. You just don't know it. And I couldn't stop thinking about what that guy said. You're already dead and, and you just don't know it. I didn't know what the hell that meant, man. I this really didn't great. know. I'd wake up in the middle of the night. I'm already dead. What does he mean? And I would, and it came to be New Year's Day of 2009. I woke up and I poured myself a mimosa, and I'm like, you know, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. I'm already dead. I think I'm alive. Right. But what if I was going to die at the end of this year? What if this was going to be the last year of my life? What would I want to accomplish? Yeah. And that question took me unbelievable places because the first thing I wrote down on my list of things to accomplish in the last year of my life was I got to write my book about what I learned at the Wharton Business School that helped me to become successful as a businessman once I stopped trying to be a movie star and a screenwriter. Right. And I self-published that book on Amazon and waited for the sales to grow, to roll in. And boy, did they ever, all eight of them. Mm. <laughs> so I did a smart thing and I sought out a mentor. His name was Jack Canfield. And I yeah. said, Jack, how do you I sell half a billion books? And he goes, well, you gotta be kind of famous because people don't buy books from nobodies. They only buy books from people that they're kind of excited to read their book. And those people are generally kind of famous or majorly famous. That's it. Right. Otherwise, you're not going to sell a book. So your job, this is why I say, you know, your job as, as an author is really not selling the book. It's really promoting so, you. Selling yourself. Yeah, promoting. absolutely. Clint. I, I totally agree. So you got to become kind of famous. So that's when I started going on TV, news and talk shows. And then my wife said, why are you paying this publicist all this money? Because it was a lot of money. Why don't you try and book yourself on shows? And I'm like, how the hell do you book yourself on TV? And it took me nine and a half weeks to figure that out for the first time. And when I did that the first time, it was like catching a fish. Yeah. And I booked seven appearances my first year. I booked 20 appearances my second year. People started asking me, how are you doing this, Clint? First of all, people started coming up to me at conferences and saying, wow, man, you're on TV all the time. You're really doing it, man. Keep going. You're doing it. And they were right. I was doing it. And I was making it happen. And so I started teaching my friends, how do you book yourself on TV? That became Celebrity Launchpad, where... I guarantee if you show up, at least three of my friends who are producers at ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox will invite you on their shows or else you get all your money back plus $1,000. And I've never failed. I'm doing Celebrity Launchpad number 55 in Las Vegas 
in July, July 13, 14, 15, 16, I have one seat left. If someone wants it, apply at guaranteed with a D celebrity.com. But uh, I, you know, when I was on my 57th appearance, that was on the Today Show. And Brooke Shields said to me, you know, you talk a lot about uh, being uncomfortable out of your comfort zone. I said, yeah, life begins where your comfort zone ends. She said, oh, that sounds scary. I said, it is scary. And when it's scary is when it's great. And then Willie Geist goes, you know, you ask yourself a question every year. What's that question? I said, ask yourself, if this was going to be the last year of your life, what would you want to accomplish? That's been my superpower. That, and that question took mm -hmm. me all the leverage. way from being nobody to being on the Today Show. Yeah, it's all about you, leverage. You know how many books I sold when I was on the Today Show? How many? How many? How many? Seven. Zero. Zero. Oh. You know how many millions of dollars I've made because I was on the Today Show? A lot. Many. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's not about selling books. Being a writer is not about selling books. You know what being a writer is about? Being a writer is about sharing your story. Being a writer is having impact, influence, and income but not necessarily from selling books. And you got to understand that. You got to understand how do you make money on the back of the book? That's really what it's about. Because even if you sell, you know, I don't know, you got to sell millions of books to make any money at all. And, oh, yeah. But I tell you what, I make millions of dollars and don't sell very many books. But mm -hmm. I have books because that's one of the five things that Grant Cardone does, that Tony Robbins does. All celebrity entrepreneurs have best-selling books. And so do I. Well, I love what you're talking about, Clint, because you're talking about leverage, which is something that I'm massive, a massive proponent about. I'm also a massive proponent of negative leverage, like figuring it out. What is it that's going to take you to move the needle on something that you haven't done before? And one of the things I think about is, you know, being, I was just reviewing my book today, doing the editing process. And I realized I've had to make a lot of tough decisions. And I've realized there's a certain formula for me to make those tough decisions. Talk just about what we can do to inspire people who are watching this to make tough decisions. I've like, I've had to let go of my sister from my family. I've had to let go of previous marriages. I've had to let go of previous employers, best friends. People were toxic in my life, business partners. I've had to let go of a lot of things to be where I'm at today, which I'm happy about because people come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. Yeah. Well, talk to us about tough decisions and, and, and making those and moving on with your own life for your own greater good. Okay, good. That's a great question because that's really why they had me on the Today Show because the topic was the push and pull of life. And what they really wanted me to talk about was, how did you know after 13 years that that was the time to quit being a taxi driver and chasing the Hollywood dream? How did, why 13 years? When, when do you know that enough is enough? And you know, here's what happened with me. You know, My baby's mama, we go on our first date and she goes, uh, we walk in this bar. She goes, oh, look, there's George Clooney. Let's go say hello. I'm like, you know, George Clooney. She goes, yeah, I used to date him and his best friend at the same Whoa. time. So we go over and and we say and she goes, hey, George, how you doing? He goes, oh, Sarah, I am so fucking wasted right now. She goes, oh, congratulations, George. This was when ER was a big hit. You know, congratulations, yeah. George. I always knew you were going to make it. And then the, he introduces me to his girlfriend and I shake her hand, I shake his hand and the maitre d' comes over and says, Madam, your table is ready. So we go sit down. I'm like, so what's the story with you and George Clooney? She goes, well, I used to be his agent for 10 years and I always knew he was going to be George Clooney and he always knew he was going to be George Clooney. But if you look on his IMDB resume online, his online resume, you can see he worked for 10 years. He did pilot after pilot after pilot. They all got canceled. He was yep. a recurring regular on shows and he got fired. Everybody, 
me and him knew that he was going to be George Clooney, but you know who didn't know he was going to be George Clooney? Hollywood didn't know he was going to be mm. George Clooney. And you need to know that you're going to make it and you need one person to believe in you. And for a lot of those, for a lot of people who work with me, I'm the one person who believes in them because I know uh, what's I'm possible. that person too. I know that's, I know what's possible. But the other thing is, is that when I was, when I was, uh, I did my event at, uh, uh, at, at Harvard, it was my last Harvard event. And I was doing this thing called the income doubler where you reprogram your, so your subconscious mind to make yourself believe that you deserve twice as much money because you're going to get whatever you think you deserve right. in this life. Worthy so is. by reprogramming your subconscious mind, there's a lot of power and that you can generate with that and change your life just by believing really. So anyway, I'm, I'm like, doing my, my work for reprogramming my subconscious mind one day. And I write down, I had this idea that you cannot get a diamond without pressure. Right. And I had been thinking about doing this event inspired by one of my mentors, Dan Kennedy. I said to my wife, you know, Dan Kennedy is a living legend. I should get a whole bunch of other guys like him to be the talent and do the speaking at the conference. And I'll just be the MC. And we'll call it the living legends of entrepreneurial marketing. And she's like, oh, I love that. And the place I wanted to do it was Carnegie Hall. And I knew that to fill up 500 seats at Carnegie Hall was going to be a lot of freaking work because nobody was going to help me. <laughs> and I had people who said, I had this one guy who was a big funnel hacker who had been Russell Brunson's right-hand man. He goes, oh, man, thank you. I'm so honored that you would invite me to speak at Carnegie Hall on the same stage with Dan Kennedy and Michael Gerber and Martha Stewart and Ice-T. Then I'm going to put people in your event. I couldn't imagine putting less than at least a couple hundred people in your event. You know how many people he put in my event? Three. Two. He bought oh. two tickets for his documentary film crew to come mm -hmm. take video of him on my stage, right? That was wow. it. Because nobody is going to help you ever right. oh, doing yeah. anything. It's all entirely up to you. Don't expect any help from anybody. So I decided to do Carnegie Hall knowing how tough it was going to be because I wanted to become a diamond. And I wanted the pressure of filling up that room with nobody's help. And I tell you what, I've done uh, like the hardest things I've ever done have always made me a better man on the other side. There are many things that can and will change you in your life, but a diamond is only formed under pressure and pressure comes from hard adversity and tough challenges. And my favorite quote is from General George S. Patton, accept yeah. the challenges so that you can feel the exhilaration of victory because that is how you really come alive. Clint Arthur, ladies and gentlemen, we got uh, Patricia getting all giddy. She says here, Clint, you are a beautiful soul, brilliant book, by the way, and also the income doubler guru mind over mind. Yes. I love it. love it. We got, uh, she says, I believe, which we got the, she and I have an inside joke about this bracelet that says, I believe that's actually something I've created. Yeah. God, Robert saying truth. Uh, Clint, our, uh, Patricia's also, uh, yeah, commenting here. Clint God made Carnegie happen. Thank, thank God. God I was in a seat and on stage. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And getting photos backstage with Martha Stewart. That was part of what Pat got. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all, it's all part of the part, part and parcel. And I think what you've shared with us tonight has been instrumental, uh, information and in being able to change what it is that we're focusing on to be able to get that, get that success. Where can people get a hold of you to continue the conversation? My friend.
Go to Clint.com, Clint with three T's.com. But why three T's, Clint? Because one of my clients was an expert in the science of nameology. And she said to me, Clint, I wish you had an extra T at the end of your name because the T's always end up on top like Trump. Now, forget about his politics. He still hit the highest job in the world. He ended up on top. And so I couldn't get Clint with two T's.com, but I got Clint with three T's.com. And that'll be easy for you to remember. And also, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. If you're an expert in something, nameology, balloon twisting, hormone replacement, finance, IT, whatever you're an expert in, if you get ostensibly paid for what you know or do for people, I can help you to make your hidden secret dream in your heart come true. Because if you want to be somebody kind of famous, kind of special, special enough to sell books, I really know how to make that happen. I love that, Clint. Thank you so much for being here. They can also connect with you on Instagram at ClintArthur.T. Is it ClintArthur.TV? No, ClintArthur.TV Clint on, on Instagram. Oh, Brother, no, thank you. you know what it is? ClintArthur.TV on Instagram. That's I what just I put thought. I my website there. ClintArthur.TV yeah. on Instagram. Hey, look, go on Google. Go on Instagram. <laughs> go on Facebook and search my name. I'll always be the very first one that comes up. And it's not like I have an uncommon name. On Facebook, there's more than 100 Clint Arthurs. But if you go on Google and search my name, it's like I'm the only Clint Arthur in the world because I am dominating Google with all of my marketing. And if you want to know how to do that for your common name, then that's another thing that I can help you to do. And you need to do that if you want to make your dreams come true. Because if some gay porn star is listing ahead of you on Google, it's going to be very hard for you <laughs> to get recognized as a top surgeon. All right. And I've had yeah. that example happen. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Clint Arthur, dude, I'm going to place you backstage. Don't go anywhere. I'm just going to end out the show and then you and I can have a little conversation, but thank you. Thank you for being here on the Ronald Scripted show. We've already been going for 45 minutes, brother. Thank you. Just, uh, I'll be right here with the second. Oh, we got Tammy storm in the house. What's up? Tammy she says, Hey, Robert broker. What's going on? Uh, Robert says here, I've heard that word before words, uh, words, allergy, something like that. Wordology. Um, thank you guys all for being here and hanging in with us. I hope that you took, uh, notes on what the conversation was tonight. It was really about shifting your perspective about where you're at in your life and, and realizing that when you take that proactive action, you take that imperfect action. What do you do? You take another step in, in order to either get closer to your goal or to determine another route that may not be suitable for you to achieve your goal. So what you have to do is you have to reprogram your mind to sit there and say, have I learned from all the quote unquote mistakes and failures that I've had in my life? Yes, I have. And if I haven't learned, what is it that I can learn from it right now so that I can start applying it and start again, taking that imperfect action every single day? Because as you do, as your confidence starts to grow, as you start, like we talked about here, eliminating people and situations from your life that are no longer conducive to the legacy that you want to leave, guess what starts to happen? This vicious cycle of, of a positivity starts to happen in your life. You start to feel a little bit better. You start taking a little bit better care of yourself. You start treating yourself a little nicer. You start surrounding yourself with better people. You start seeing the the, the values of your rewards and, and things coming in. It it all builds on itself. Then ultimately you get to a point where I'm at where the ego and the financial rewards are nice, but knowing that you're making an impact on other people's lives from the situations you've gone through and you've grown through, that's what I'm going to be doing with this book. By the way, guys, it's just you and me kid.com. Go there, get on the bestseller. Like Clint said, you know, this book is going to change lives of art. Like I said, I've already talked to a couple of people about having it produced into a movie. So from this conversation, you need to go out there and decide which three things you're going to take action on in your life. But most importantly, when you wake up in the morning, don't grab your phone. Don't start looking at the news. Don't start filling your head full of negative negativity and doubt. Instead, start with gratitude. 
Say what you're grateful for. Be specific about what you're grateful for. And then set the intentions for who you're going to be, for what tolerations you're no longer going to accept in your life. And progressively get around those people that are going to make you responsible and accountable to hold yourself to a higher standard. Like Clint was saying, you, know, you start going to seminars, you start getting around masterminds, you start developing relationships with coaches and, and, and going and doing these things and investing in yourself. It's pretty incredible how quick those returns on investment can happen. I'm here for you guys as well as your No Excuses Coach. Every single week, I'll be back here again next Tuesday on the Ron and Scripted Show. You guys keep asking me, like, Chris, can you please tell us who's going to be the next guest so we can plan for it? Absolutely. So next week, we got a lot of guests coming up. We are booking into freaking October. I'm so excited. I've got people wanting to be on the show. And God's honest truth, I've actually started turning people down to be on the show if they don't align with myself. Like I said before, um, we were talking about, uh, what's his nuts? Uh, fucking what's this guy? Um, 10 X guy, Grant Cardone. He wanted to be on my show. I said, no, there was a couple other people who wanted to be on my show. I can't even remember the other guy's name. His assistant was like, are you sure you're turning down? So I can't remember his name. Yeah, I don't know, but it's all right. So next week we got, Oh, we got Sid McNary next week. Ooh, Sid McNary is a good friend of mine. Recently a good friend of mine. And guess what? I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but he's going to be running for president. Yes. Sid McNary is going to be on the show next week. He's going to be running for president of the United States. Truth be told, I coached a presidential candidate who's going to be running in 2024. I coached him last year, but I had to dis, dis, uh, I had to disconnect him from a coaching client because I couldn't take his, uh, his ideas anymore. <laughs> uh, sometimes you have to cancel those agreements. So anyways, guys, we'll be back here again. Uh, go to it's just you and me kid.com. I love you guys and uh, go out there, be brilliant and go out there and serve with your heart love with your heart, be with your heart. All right. Thank you. Cheers.